Whoa, new intro, who dis? Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna. United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. And today, my very special guest uh, is Mary Adams. Mary, welcome uh, to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks, Rob. I'm so pumped to be here. Uh, it's great. This is our first uh, voice conversation, but we've been chatting back and forth via email for a while. So uh, good to finally, I guess this is as close as we can get to meeting each other, uh, you know, without being in the same area. Yep. For now. For now, this will do. <laughs> that, that's right. So, uh, Mary, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell everyone and give them a little bit of insight as to how you ended up on Diabetics Doing Things, starting, I guess, with diagnosis. Well, I um, have been diabetic for a little over 20 years now. I just celebrated my 20th anniversary this past March. Um, I was diagnosed in 97. Um, It was either shortly before or after my third grade spring break. So things are a little hazy. Um, But I... I remember being super, super tired all the time. Um, I had to go to the bathroom all the time to the point that my teachers, my third grade teachers, um, had to call up my parents and tell them that they thought I was skipping class because I was asking to go to the bathroom so much. Um, Isn't that a classic teacher response, right? (laughs) Exactly. My parents were like, what? She's in third grade. That's crazy. Um, And I could not get enough water. Oh, my God. I was such a fish. And I would just gulp it down. I I was spilling it all over myself because I I couldn't get enough. Um, And I I remember one night where I wet the bed. And as a third grader, I was way past that point. And so my parents were like, okay, something's, something's up. Um, and my mom's a pharmacist. And so she, she knows about diabetes. Um, she didn't, at the time, she didn't know everything that she does now. But, I mean, she knew this, the symptoms to a degree. And one of her colleagues, um, her son had type 1. And she was like, you know what? Let's get together. I want you to check my daughter's blood sugar. So we met in a McDonald's parking lot. 
very apropos. <laughs> um, and checked my blood sugar there. It read that that high, that HI on the screen. And we were like, okay, we're going to the emergency room. Um, hopped in the car, sped to the ER. And I think upon diagnosis, I was 842. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on a little bit. I'm sorry for cutting you off. I want to touch a little bit on like the, like the blood sugar, the glucose meter of like high. I remember the first time I got one of those, like I had to look it up. And fortunately, like I had my little like manual somewhere in my diabetes kit for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Either that or I called my parents and had them look it up because it was in like 2005. So there was no mobile internet. And yeah. it was like, yeah, like your blood sugar is over 500. And it's like, that's the only information it gives you. Yeah. So it's like, so how helpful is this? It's like, okay, so what does that mean? Something probably not good. And I, yeah, yeah, all those, all those meters. It was kind of like, okay, well, I don't, I don't know what this means, but I, I think it's not good. I'm pretty sure that's not a good thing. And I remember, I would, whenever I took my blood sugar and saw that, I'd be like, Mom, I'm HI. <laughs> because for the longest time, I didn't understand that that was an abbreviation for high, high blood sugar. So just like mom, HI. Um, but yeah, that was that was a struggle. That was a struggle trying to understand that. Um, so I think in that instance, I was probably. I think we determined in that in the McDonald's parking lot that I was around 600. And then once we got to the ER, and they told us, um, then it was kind of like, oh, well, maybe she was more like 800. <laughs> um, but yeah, that and that that's where it all began. It was all uphill from there. Um, I remember my parents being kind of like, what in the world? What has happened? My mom, my mom was pretty upset, um, as I think any parent would be, I would be. Um, and my dad, I just remember being like, okay, we're doing this. Let's get started. <laughs> he just grabbed the bull by the horns, and that was that. Um, and I think that night, um, we all started practicing injections, and we were just shoving all, all the needles and the oranges and doing it over and over and over again. And, and in a couple of minutes, we were, we were ready to go. Um, and that, that's, that's the diagnosis story. So, I mean, I think I have a new favorite, like, saying now is, like, all great diagnosis stories start in McDonald's parking lots. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. And it's a good one. You, you mentioned a couple things in there that I want to touch on. Um, number one, I think a common thing for people to ask uh, T1Ds who were diagnosed at a young age or um, even in their teens or, or, you know, around the time in eight years old, like you said, nine years old, third grade. Um talking about like, do you remember life before type one, life before diabetes? And it's just like, yeah, uh, let me go back to all those amazing third grade memories that I have stored <laughs> in here, right? Um, so for you, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the things that stand out are, you know, the teacher, um, you know, thinking that you're calling your parents and thinking that you were skipping class in the bathroom and, and things of that nature. But for you, what do you remember as you said, like your parents were, you know, upset and were, you know, dealing with all those different emotions um, that type one parents go through? Um, what do you remember about your life changing? 
I remember my parents, and they're, if they ever hear this, they will kill me, but they know it's true. My parents were always on my case. <laughs> After that, it was like, Marilyn, what's your blood sugar? What's your blood sugar? Have you checked it? What's your blood sugar? Um, and at the time, I, I, just, I was so annoyed. But looking back, they were setting the stone for best practices and managing my diabetes. Um, my parents were the ones who got the ball rolling with that. Um, they listened to every word that came out of the doctor's mouth. And the doctor was like, check before before meals, check after meals, check before snacks, check after snacks, check whenever. Um, they were the ones that got up every single night at 2 a.m., at 4 a.m., um, and were checking my blood sugar. I remember doing all the sticks every single night, and it sometimes my dad would um, stick my toes so he didn't have to wake me up. Um, it, I mean, it definitely changed a lot. But I think you're exactly right. I, I honestly can't remember life without it. Um, those seven years before, I, I mean, that was a whole different world. And I, I can't really remember not ever having diabetes. Yeah, and I, and I think, well, because, because it doesn't go away, right, for now anyway, mm-hmm. Um that's sort of, I think, the the, the view that um, the view that people take is like, well, I have to accept that this is part of my life now, so it's hard to sort of think back to those those days where you didn't worry about it. Also, the yeah. the needs that you had when you were seven, eight years old were very different than you know as an as a young adult or even you know as an adult. So. Yeah. I think it's an it's an interesting sort of dichotomy because something that I've talked about um, something that I've talked about I think a lot more recently with other type ones is that you know there's a lot of support um, around juvenile diabetics for uh, for lack of a better word so young diabetics under the age of 18 and I think that's appropriate because there's a ton of there's a lot more needs there's a lot more stakeholders parents friends teachers things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. but then once you kind of get on with your life from there, um, it's not as many resources, it's not as uh, big of a topic. And yeah. so I think, you know, living in, and not, and not thinking back to that life before diabetes, which is trying to be present is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's also, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I mean, it'd be nice just to, to have a day where I didn't have diabetes and maybe sit and reflect on what life might be like without diabetes. But honestly, like who has the time? (laughs) Um, and, and like I said, I mean, that was, that's seven years of my life out of my now 27 years of life. And that's just such, that's such a short time that it's not even, it's not something that I, that I would, really think to ponder that much. I mean, granted, I, I do not have the world's best memory. <laughs> so that probably plays a role. Um, but I, I mean, it's, it's very true. I just, I don't remember life without it. I, I do remember, I, I remember things changing for my parents. I remember them sitting down and telling my family, my little sisters, um, what was going on and my little sisters were too young to understand but I I mean 
things did change. Things changed very rapidly. But, I mean, once we got a hang of things, and, I mean, great, you know, these things change all the time, but once we got the hang of it to a degree, um, it was it, – it, it started to become life. It just it, – it was just a part of me, a part of who I was and now who I am. And, and as you – and I think that's really strong, right? It's, 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 it becomes a part of who you are. Uh, it's, it isn't all of who you are, but it's just a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, but then also I think, you know, what were those conversations you were having like internally or like with yourself as, you, you know, you were making those decisions? Like, hey, uh, I, how, did it change your outlook at all? Did you, did you feel like – uh, you could still, you know, all whatever dreams that you have for your life at eight, uh, seven, eight, nine years old, you know, being an astronaut or a movie star or whatever, did, did all those seem still attainable for you? Totally. 100%. And I think that was going back to what you said about that support system for kids um, who were diagnosed. That was huge um, because it wasn't just my parents who were telling me that. I think every parent wants to tell their child, you know, you can do whatever you want regardless of um, the stumbling blocks that are in your way, regardless of the walls you may hit. Any parent wants to tell their kid they can do whatever they set their mind to. Um, But we also had this amazing support system of doctors and nurses, um, CDs, family friends who were just kind of like, oh, you're fine. You're totally fine. You got this. Um, and having that, that, that way of thinking, um, that just, that, I think that totally changed my outlook. I know that I could have, you know, I could have been told otherwise by my doctor. Um, you know, you can't have this, you can't do this, you can't go play sports, you know, you can't do all this stuff. But instead it was like, no, you're fine. Live your life, do your thing. Just know this is what's going to happen if you eat that birthday cake. No, this is what's going to happen if you go um, go play soccer for three hours. Um, so it was ma- it was more of you know here are your tools. Here is what you need to know. Here are the facts. You do what you need to do to to get everything in check, to get everything in order. And then the rest is up to you. The rest is all you. You can still be an actress. You can still go to the moon. You can do whatever you want. Um, and I, I really do, I thank my parents. I thank um, my doctor at the time for kind of putting us on that track um, and not putting up those walls, not putting up those barriers. Well, I think it's so important. And I think a ton of that stems from yes your parents obviously and like you said almost every parent wants their child to you know live their dream right and do whatever they um they want to do with their life but also like the doctors are a big part of that i know for me again i talk to a lot of people so i may be um you know just the repetition of people saying it uh in interviews like there's a lot of negative diagnosis experience. I know for me, it was yeah. very, it was very positive. All my doctors were, you know, telling me you know, very like reassuring. My endo, my uh, uh, my pediatric endocrinologist was amazing. I still am friends with him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and they you know, that set the foundation. And I think that so many people, yeah. so many people don't have that um, for one reason or another, either a negative diagnosis experience or a um, or either that or they just don't have a great relationship with their endocrinologist or they live in a small town or there's no other type ones around them. So they sort of have this skewed view of, of everything. And I think, you know, if it's just so important, right, to to develop those relationships. And I think, you know, for somebody who maybe is looking for an endo or feels like uh, they feels like they don't have that, what would you what would you tell them? How would you tell them to sort of get more involved and to change that sort of message? Ah, go to camp. <laughs> Go to diabetes camp. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> um, I that was a whole another support system that I found out about. I think I think it was probably two years after my diagnosis. And and I actually I did not. I knew one other person who had type one diabetes growing up. Um, and she, I think, if I okay, if I was diagnosed in third grade, she must have been like in eleventh grade or maybe 10th grade, something like that. So she was much older than me at the time. Um, she was on a, a different campus at school, so we weren't interacting at all. Um, so I really, I didn't know anybody. I, I didn't know anybody who had type 1. So it wasn't like something where I could sit down and exchange thoughts or ideas or experiences with anybody until I went to Camp Sil Harris. And that was my diabetes camp. Um, that I went to, I think maybe, I think I went there for like eight years, eight summers, something like that. Um, and I, that was, that was the end all be all of diabetes for me. It was the greatest thing ever. Um, everybody there on staff had diabetes. Um, the doctors there, some of them had diabetes. Um, the nurses, they had it or were affected by it in some capacity. I mean, it was just everywhere. And to me, that was the coolest thing in the world because, you know, I'm I, everyone at school, everyone in my hometown knew that I had diabetes. It was very open. We talked about it all the time, but I couldn't actually share experiences with anyone else. So being able to be surrounded by other people um, and sharing our stories, sitting down in circles and testing our blood sugars and taking shots before we would go to dinner. Like that was just the coolest thing in the world to me. Made all the difference. Well, and, and I think you're not alone, right? I think that especially when you're younger um, and I w was diagnosed when I was 16, so I was too cool to go to diabetes camp. Um, <laughs> Barely why, missed it. Barely yeah, missed it. Why, why would I ever want to do that? I'm, I'm, so cool. <laughs> I'm so cool and I know everything. Um, so... But I think like that, that sense of community for some people, like, um, and that's what I love about social media today, like in 2016, 2017, like has evolved so much to be a like diabetes camp on your phone because there's so many people willing to share and there's so many people that are telling their stories and like just talking to each other. So someone who, you know, lived in a small town or maybe only knew one other type one or no other type ones can go on there and, and have that type of experience because, community is everything like once you because if you allow yourself to be on an island and like processing processing those things alone like these can seem like big uphill challenges like you said earlier but um all when there's like a sense of community a sense of other people um i think it becomes much more much easier to just uh 
go through it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's like it's still one day at yeah. a time. But when you know that there's other people out there that support you and are going through the same things, it's just so much more empowering. So I love yes. that about Diabetes Camp. And I still, you know, I, now now I go and I talk to kids and I'm like, yeah, if you're feeling down, like you should go to Diabetes Camp because there's other, you can meet yeah. people that, um, and I've talked to people on the podcast that are f- still friends 25 years later with the friends they met at Diabetes Camp. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I mean, it's just, for me, it was the greatest thing in the world. Um, I, I, for kids who are newly diagnosed, I, I mean, they got to go. They got to do it. <laughs> it's just the greatest thing. Um, but you're right. Social media, that has been the coolest thing. Um, I have recently started seeing all the goings on um, and the online community and it's just it's amazing and so like I'm I wonder I wonder like you know what if what if that had been around when I was diagnosed at seven years old like what would that be like as a seven-year-old when you're when you have diabetes no one else around you does like can you just jump online can you jump on the family computer and just type some stuff in like who, who would you find what would you find out I think that's probably I mean granted I'm sure you have to have you know all the right parental um, flags up and everything like that, but how cool would that be for a young diagnosed kid um, to hop online and find out all this information and, and realize that he or she is not the only one living with this, that it's so, like, it can be managed, um, it can be dealt with, you're not alone. Um, so I think that, to me, is the coolest and greatest resource out there, um, right at your fingertips. And, and I think that's like, that's such a huge message, right? Uh, that you can go through it, that you can make it and that there are other people, um, out there that are like currently doing that. I think that's like the most fun thing for me about talking to other type ones. Um, what were those things that you, as a, as you grew up and you, you know, kind of were going through those difficult decisions as a teen where you're like, where you're going to go to college, what you're going to do with your life. What do you want? What do you like? What were those things that you were pushing for um, above and beyond your type one? I think the maybe the biggest hurdle, the first biggest hurdle, um, would be cheerleading. So that that was my quote unquote sport. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm quite short, and I'm not the most athletic. So after trying soccer, after trying volleyball, after trying basketball and failing miserably at all of them, I was like, okay, maybe I could be a cheerleader. Um, so I decided to take that up randomly, and um, I tried out for the team, got on the team, and then I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? And what am I supposed to do with all my diabetes stuff? <laughs> um because we would have to, we, we had to go cheer on the sidelines at football games. And I remember thinking, well, I didn't plan this out very well. Because I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I don't know, like, how, how do I check my blood sugar out on, the, out on the football field? And where do I even put my stuff? <laughs> um, so that was probably, well, from what I can remember, um, hurdle number one. And that was absolutely nothing. It was so easy. I mean, I just was like, okay, well, I'm going to take my meter and my sugar tabs, um, my extra pump site, 
uh, anything else I might need out there with me. And I just threw it into a gym bag. And then whenever I needed to take a break, which was probably every 20 minutes to check my blood sugar, I would just run over to the gate or the fence and do what I needed to do. And that was that. Um, and, and I mean, at first, right, like th- those things seem like huge hurdles to overcome, right? Like yes. they, they always seem much yes. bigger. And then, you know, when you get down to it, um, you, it's really not that big of a deal. So mm-hmm. it's like, um, you know, when you, when you're, you're always like those challenges are always so big before you face them. Right. And then it's just like, Oh yeah, like I don't have a place to put my stuff. Now I don't want to inconvenience my coach. And you just like kind of invent these situations in your mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, as a type one, I think especially like I, I read an article the other day talking about, um, you know, student disability at colleges um, and like universities that offer, you know, aid to people who need, um, you know, may need emergency service or may need extra care. And I think um, the biggest thing, you know, for me is that like, cause I know if I, in that situation, I was like, well, I don't need help. Like I managed this on my own. I was very proud of that. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, having those resources and like taking a little bit of extra treatment is also okay. Yes. 100%. And I totally take advantage of that. Um, my, I had never even heard of the students with disabilities act, nor did I, think that I could ever take advantage of something like that. But when I was told that I could, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And it really did, it really did help because I remember um, in college, in chemistry tests, and I remember one in particular where I just like flatlined low. Um, And I just, I remember being in the middle of the test and being like, oh my God, why why can't I read these questions? Like, clearly I shouldn't be, at the time I was a nursing major, and I was like, well, clearly I shouldn't be a nurse. I can't even understand these questions. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> I'm just slow. And so, and so because I took advantage of that Students Disabilities Act, I had extra time to take a test in case something like that did come up. And so I excused myself from the room, shoved glucogel and glucose tabs in my mouth, and then I was able to take the test later on. But, oh, my God, things like that, I would say totally take advantage. Because you never know you never know what's going to come up. And it's always nice to have that, that um, padding. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you, it's just like being proactive. I equate um, – I wasn't a Boy Scout, but I equate being type 1, a successful type 1, to being a Boy Scout. Like, be prepared <laughs> for, for any situation, right? Yes, um, yes. And also carry a backpack. I don't know. Like, but yes, um, like having that padding, you may never need it, but because you talked about it up, up, up ahead of time, you set that frame. It's like, Hey, I may need this someday. Um, or, you know, and, and you have that, like open up that conversation. I think it allows you to be successful in those situations. Right. I was trying to think the other day, um, and I didn't have a, a meter close by and I was like, man, like, why can I not like land on what's going on here? I swear I can do this. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, when I, I left and went and go track down my meter and I tested, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like 59, that'll probably, uh, you know, that's not, that's not the lowest that, uh, that I am even, you know, on a regular basis sometimes, but 
you know, on, on that particular day, like my brain just couldn't process it. It was just having a tough time. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I, could, I could use a pass for the last half hour. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I love it. Love it when those kind of lows happen where you're like, what is wrong with me? Why is nothing clicking in my head? <laughs> and then you're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's that thing called a low. <laughs> love it when those happen. Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, you know, that, that's another thing is like, as a, there's this, this idea that I think people make bigger in their minds as well. Uh, other type type one diabetics may bigger in their minds of the idea of being a perfect diabetic and having to, um, you know, feel bad and like guilting yourself about, you know, just living your life and some days being different. Um, Mm-hmm. What what is that? What's that lens like for you when you look at yourself and you say, "Hey, like I'm able to treat a low or I'm able to treat a high," and that's just because because of one thing or another, I can maybe dial in the causation. But the important thing is that I don't stick to it too much and that I really like allow myself to, um, you know, obviously treat the situation, but not be so um, you know harsh with yourself. Yeah, that that's that's something that has like really popped up for me recently where I have to remind myself not to be too hard on myself. Um, I, I think, and I feel like any person who is diagnosed when they're younger, um, whether it be when they're five years old, whether it be when they're 20 years old, um, up until I think the young adult point, a lot of people just don't have a full understanding of of what it is they're really dealing with. I I most certainly didn't, um, even though I had it, you know, from from the age of seven, um, and even though that took up so much of my life. When I got to college, I still did not understand what I was doing. Um, I didn't totally understand how I might possibly be compromising my body um, given certain situations. And thankfully, I mean, I never, I I don't think I've ever been in DKA. Um, I mean, the stories that I hear about it, I don't think I've been in it. (laughs) Um, But I, I think back now to being in college and just, thinking like, what, what was that doing? Like, how did I, how did I handle my diabetes? And maybe my body was still growing. Maybe I was still going through growth spurts, but I definitely did not manage it well. It definitely did not. Um, whereas now if I don't manage my blood sugar, I see those repercussions immediately. And that's when I think this kind of very harsh, judging type A personality um, jumps in. And I, I don't consider myself type A or, or, or a harsh critic by any means. But in the last few years, it's kind of like I'm, I'm starting to see my body changing and how, um, you know, if I stay above 250 for longer than an hour at a time, I can, I feel it. Um, when I was younger, I don't remember feeling that. Um, and I think, I think that's my body changing, but it's, it's 
because because these new feelings are starting to show up, that's where like what you're talking about, that that kind of type A harsh critic is kicking in, and it's like, oh my god, I have to I have to handle this, or I'm really going to hurt myself. Um, bad things are really going to start to happen. But I started to also notice that when this happened. Um, it was kind of becoming all-consuming, and I was getting way too concerned with it. Um, so, I mean, it's a fine line between trying to trying to figure out, you know, how can I how can I manage my diabetes well, and how can I also take a step back and let my let myself, you know, just kind of kind of deal with itself. Um, it's a super fine line. It is. And I think I'm dealing with very similar, uh, like you almost echoed my sentiment word for word. Like when I was younger, I used to be able to have, a, I could have a high or I could, I could operate, you know, at 200 and be okay. Um, even if I didn't have like, or I had to wait for a bolus or whatever the case may be, or I couldn't get it down for a little while. But now I just like, my body is like, Whoa, hold up. Something's wrong. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know if that's just like I've been, you know, much more balanced and taking care of myself, but um, it's just, it's tough because you're like, oh, even this morning I was telling uh, my girlfriend, I was like, I, I, I this morning by 9 a.m. it was already a day like, well, at least I had a good workout this morning because I had a high blood sugar. I couldn't get it to come down. I was changing my sight. It was just... <laughs> It was all bad, and I was, and I felt so <laughs> terrible. I was like, "Wow, I just mail it in for the day. It's done." Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, at the same time, like having to bounce back and be like, "Okay, like I'm coming back now. Got to get some stuff done today." Um, and then uh, you know, going coming back to all the way back around to something you said before is like when you were in college, like going kind of living your life as well as being a type one, uh, which is something I know that parents worry about and also um, is a hot button for teens. Like how did you balance being a type one with being a regular college kid? I, to be honest, I, I mean, it was just, it was just kind of a, a part of everything. Um, everybody, I, I made sure first and foremost that everyone who was ever around me knew that I had diabetes. Um, that was first and foremost because I knew that I was going to be in situations, i.e., consuming lots of alcohol, where I might um, be at risk of having a really wacky blood sugar, either high or low. Um, and so I just I was like, y'all have to know I'm diabetic. Um, this is what. X blood sugar means, this is what Y blood sugar means, and this is what you do. And I mean, all of my friends knew how to put in a site. All of my friends knew how to use a glucagon. Everybody knew <laughs> um, what diabetes was, what type one was, and what to do in all of these situations. But other than that, I mean, I, I did everything else that everybody else did. Um, and I think that was something that kind of that goes back to my parents where it was kind of like they wanted to make sure that that I was living a normal life um and I think for the most part I was able to do that which is pretty cool it is and it's like what a victory that is I think sometimes we you talked earlier about you know not being type a by nature but type one sort of making you that like 
every day is a victory, like living a normal life. Like yes. That, that, <laughs> that is something to be excited about and grateful for because, um, like you said, you've never been in DKA. I haven't either, thankfully, knock on wood. Um, but like every day without having to go through that is something to be grateful for. Um, yeah. I was, I was talking with someone the other day, like there are more type ones that there've ever been right oh. now, like today, because, uh, less than a hundred years ago, you just died, you know, yeah. like this, and there was no awareness and there was no way to treat it. And, um, so now like how far we've come since 1920, it, it's just amazing. And, and I think even in the last 10 years, in the last 12 years, since I've had type one, like the technology, like there really is, hasn't been a better time to be type one than right now. And that's encouraging. Yeah, it is. And that's so funny you say that. I was, I was thinking about that like two days ago, um, how the number just keeps rising and it's like, well, is it really, is it really rising or is it that just people back then didn't know they had type one diabetes and they just died? Um, I mean, and obviously I think it definitely is rising, but I, Think about all those people back then. I mean, they just, you have diabetes and that was a death sentence. And now it's like, no, we got this. I mean, it's just, it's just a little, a little problem, but we'll deal with it. We can deal with it and we just move right along. Yeah. And I think like allowing yourself to step back and look at that situation as a whole and say, oh, like this really is like today, most type ones make this look relatively easy. Uh, make type one look relatively good. Um, it's easy to forget that a hundred years ago it was a death sentence, um, mm-hmm. and that it was very, very difficult for people to even forty years ago to uh, to treat on a daily basis. And um, yeah, and you know, there's all these amazing developments in technology and all these awesome companies that are getting into the space to try to solve the problem and make it easier. Um, but that still doesn't, you know, negate the fact that it's a it's a difficult struggle. Yeah, and it's still there. I mean, it'll as far as we know, it'll always be there. And I'm sure. What when you were diagnosed? What did your doctor tell you in terms of um, there being some sort of a cure? Uh, they gave me the twenty year, the twenty year talk. They said, uh, you know, within twenty years there'll be some sort of cure. So they're they got eight years left on their guarantee or my money back. <laughs> nice, nice. You hold them to that. Yeah, I, got- I will. I got in this lifetime, so okay. <laughs> M- much more uh, open-ended there. Yes, yes, um, and and it's funny because going online um, and reading other people's experiences, you know, they're they're people who've had diabetes for sixty years, and they heard the same thing, and so it's kind of like, well, I can look at it as that's a bunch of hogwash. Or I look at it as, I mean, we are making progress. Just look around. There has been so much progress made, including including the diabetes online community. Like that right there, that's huge progress, I think. Um, so even, even if we don't see a cure in our lifetime, we're seeing so much happen already where we're able to take better care of ourselves and therefore live better and longer lives. That that in and of itself is just—I mean—that's—it's awesome. It's awesome. It is, and I am super encouraged by it. Um, my life gets easier on a you know day-to-day basis because of that, and because of you know awesome technology and, and, and awareness. 
Um, yeah. And yet, and yet, there's still so much work to do. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that there are so many awesome people who are taking on that challenge. Um, never been a part of a more inclusive community uh, than we have for type one diabetes. And I want to focus on that because um, I want to make sure we use our time effectively here. You get to see behind the scenes a little bit of that. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about not necessarily OneDrop as a company, but more more as your involvement and how you found out and like the types of work and interactions you guys have with type ones. Yeah. Well, so I previously was working in the music industry, um, which I loved. Um, but with our growing healthcare situation, um, I was kind of like, okay, I need to change something um, because I need to be able to see my doctor more times than I currently can under my current health plan. And I need to be testing my blood sugar more than just eight times a day, but I don't have enough money <laughs> to get more test reps. Um, so, and this is also the more adult version of myself speaking. Um, so this happened within the last two years or so where I, I started to realize, you know what, I really, I really do need to take my diabetes uh, into my own hands. I really do need to take better control of this. I need to handle this. Um, and so I, I really started checking out what was going on online and just doing some of my own research. And I came across OneDrop, the app. Um, and that was just kind of like my first bat at um, regaining some of that control that I that I had when I was living um, under my parents' roof when I was a kid, and they were you know very vigilant. Um, I downloaded the app so that I could track my blood sugars, make sure that I was checking myself on a regular basis, um, and detect trends. Um, I had noticed that I was doing a lot of things that seemingly would make my blood sugar go low, and instead I was going high, or vice versa, and I was getting super, super frustrated, um, and so I, I wanted to start tracking things, and, you know, in, instead of waiting to see my endo every three months, make the changes myself, um, kind of be a little experimental, um, and... So I started heavily uh, tracking stuff in the app and was able to rearrange my basal settings on my pump. That helped a lot. And then I was like, I really, really like this app. I want to see what they're doing because I want to be a part of this. Um, and I checked out their job openings, saw that there was one. And I was like, hey, y'all, can I be a part of this? I love what y'all are doing. Um, I love your message that you're trying to help others with diabetes um, take matters into their own hands. And that's how it all began. Um, now I'm at OneDrop doing marketing, communications, uh, customer experience, customer support. I mean, it's... We're a startup. We are a very small company, um, so there are many, many, many hats to be worn. Um, but we we are trying so hard to 
really help the lives of both type 1 and type 2 diabetics. Um, we want to change this. We want to change the game, totally. And it's just, it's so invigorating to be surrounded by other people with diabetes on a daily basis. Um, I had been at other places where people had diabetes, but no one really talked about it. It wasn't really discussed openly. And being in this setting is, I mean, it, it really is a blessing because everyone is aware um, of, uh, of what diabetes is. Um, people in the office can tell when you're going low and they may not have diabetes. They may have diabetes. Um, people always have glucose tabs if you are going low. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a great benefit. <laughs> people have, we have extra insulin. Um, I mean, it's just, it's great. It's great to be surrounded by other people on a day in, day out basis. Um, and then on top of that, it's just, it's amazing because everyone here, I, I would say almost half the team has type one. Um, and so we're, we're serious about this. It's like, we hate this thing and we want to do everything that we can to change it because what, I mean, what we're doing right now is awesome, but we got to stop this thing out. So um, we're just, we're trying everything that we can to make that ball move um, to get things going. We're really excited about it. Well, and you guys are doing a great job. And you talked about being like a startup and being a small company, um, but with like a distinct goal. And I, I, I identify with that right now as well. I just started my own company at the beginning of this year. So um, I understand what that's like to be in that group and have that mission and say, hey, like, you know, come what may, we're trying to the best we can, like you said, whatever hacks we can use to get to the next phase, to get to the next level of accomplishing our goal, we're going to do. Um, and I just love that there are companies like that that are popping up um, with the uh, with, with the goal of making life easier and better for type 1 diabetics. I think that's super strong, and it's something that hasn't, you know, it's a trend that I really like. You know, it's something that hasn't been in the forefront until the last few years. So um, yes. I'm just really glad that that is a topic of conversation for people who um, – don't necessarily have diabetes, but are, you know, identifying the need for so many people, um, and can find something that's, uh, you know, cool, like one drop where it's, it's a cool product. It's, it's great design, which is also lacking in, uh, in the diabetic community, which I talk about on some other episodes as well. Like, um, yeah. it's fun. It's, it's cool. It's, it's good to use. And also it makes so much sense from a cost standpoint. Like you said, like you needed to test your blood sugar more, uh, and you needed an easy option to do that and you found it. Yeah, it's huge. It's enormous. Um, I I love my Dexcom, but oh my God, those beeps, <laughs> they go off sometimes in the middle of the night over and over again. And so I, you know, now it's like, okay, I don't have to wear my Dexcom. Instead, I just check my blood sugar incessantly. And it's wonderful. I mean, no one's there to stop me and tell me, no, you can only check eight times a day. Um, it's it's radical. It is amazing because, I mean, you hear all these stories about people who, who are dying, um, literally, because they cannot check their blood sugar, because they cannot give themselves insulin. And so we're like, well, F that. We are going to do something about this. Test strips cost so little. We're like, let's stop jacking up these prices. Give these people test strips so that they can take care of themselves and live. Um, yeah, so let's, let's be clear, like knowing your blood sugar is not optional. 
It's not something no. that you just can get by without doing. No, absolutely not. So we, we want to change that. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. We're changing it. Um, and it, it, it really, it's so amazing to see all this stuff. It's not, I mean, it's not just us. If you like, um, I don't, are you familiar with open APS? That's another one out there. I mean, it's all these, like the, all the DIY grassroots movements that are going on are so phenomenal because it's kind of like, we're not, we're not going to sit around and wait for all these other people, um, corporations to tell us when we can and cannot do things that need to be done. We're going to take matters into our own hands and we're going to live better lives. Um, and it's just, it really is phenomenal to see this amazing tribe of people coming forth and, and changing the game. It is. And I think now even the work that companies like OneDrop uh, and others have done in the last few years in today's like political, especially around healthcare environment and climate, like, those voices are becoming more powerful and more amplified and talking about, you know, diabetes, type one diabetes is more than just a preexisting condition. Um, it's an ongoing condition and something that needs to be treated and needs to fall under some sort of treatment. And I know, you know, without diverting this to, you know, healthcare and political discussion, but you know, like, you know, we are passionate about that because we know people who are affected. We ourselves pa- uh, are affected by it on a daily, hourly, minute basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super, super important. So I love the work you guys are doing. All that to say, I love you guys, the work you guys are doing. Um, and keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're super pumped about it. So uh, kind of as we sort of wrap up here, um, I want to... I, w- I want to ask, and I think you you answered this a little bit towards the beginning of the interview, but somebody that you look up you looked up to um, in your moments where uh, you know you were struggling with your diabetes, or as you were you know um, you know pushing yourself to to sort of overcome a low moment. Who who was that person for you? Oh gosh, oh man. Um, well. The first person that comes to mind, and this is hilarious, <laughs> it's all coming full circle. So in fourth grade, I was diagnosed in third grade. In fourth grade, um, the Miss America winner was Nicole Johnson. So I get, or maybe that, yeah, yeah, that was when I was in fourth grade. And we had to, at school, write letters to our heroes. We had to write three letters. And one of the letters that I wrote was to Nicole Johnson because I thought she was the coolest thing in the world. She had gone on stage, done her, done her thing, um, won the Miss America title, which I watched with my mom and my godmother every single year. Um, and she had diabetes. And I was like, oh, my God, if she can be Miss America and she has diabetes, then I can do anything. <laughs> um, very good logic as a fourth grader. So I wrote her my hero letter, and she wrote back, and I got to meet her, and it was the greatest thing ever. And 20, 19 years later, um, she is now um, part of the One Drop team in a, in a, in a, um, different capacity. She's not right here on the field with us, but, um, she's part of one drop. So it's all kind of coming full circle, but she was 
definitely, I think right after I was diagnosed, like the end all be all for me. And that's when I was like, well, yeah, if she can do that, I can do anything too. <laughs> did you have like a fangirl moment if you, when you get to meet her and like, did, did that happen? Oh my God. Yes, of course. Of course. I was, I was freaking out. I, I don't remember a lot, but I remember like being really, really excited and like, like getting the, like the sweaty, nervous, uh, all that going on. I was so excited and I got to try on her crown. I mean, it was like, it was the greatest day ever. Wow. That's <laughs> like the full experience. That's fantastic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So I, I know, I don't know if we're going to be able to get a better answer than that uh, for sort of my closer that I always ask, <laughs> but um, for, if you were going to, if you, in a passing moment, uh, you're about to jump on a plane, you run into somebody who's struggling with their type one or has recently been diagnosed, like what's the one thing you tell them? You've got like one minute before they're shutting the door to the plane. What are you telling them? Ah, I actually kind of just did this the other day. Um, I ran into a girl at the grocery store. And she was like, I just, I randomly heard her say under her breath, I, I hate diabetes. I hate having diabetes. This is hell. And we were in the dairy section and I said, oh, you have diabetes? <laughs> and I think it caught her by surprise. Um, but uh, she said, yes, we had a quick chat. I showed her the yogurt that she should eat so that she doesn't have blood sugar spikes. And I was like, do low carb, do low carb. It's the best. <laughs> so I think that would be it. If I if I only had a couple of minutes that say, or a couple of seconds that say, go low carb. It's all about, it's the carbs. Um, and then plain door shut. <laughs> yeah, I just can't stop thinking. It's like when they go low, we go low carb. It's just like, that's, <laughs> that's the way, that's that's how we do it. I love it. Yes, yes, oh. and, and not not to be confused with no carb because you got. I mean, hey, I love me some pasta. I love my bread. I'm all, I love carbs. But if if we're if we're trying to get a handle on our blood sugars here, it's it's the carbs. It's all about going low carb. I love it. Yeah. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it was a fantastic interview, and uh, you're just a delightful person. I, you know, every interaction with you that I've had has been awesome. So just um, give yourself a pat on the back. Um, and keep keep doing your awesome work for One Drop. It's much appreciated. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I I love what you're doing. Thank you for spreading the word. We we need this. We need voices like this. So thank you. Um, if our if if our listeners want to connect with you, um, where where are you on social media? What's the what's the best place? Um, I'm on Twitter, one drop mea, um, and then my personal Instagram, Mary E R Adams. Awesome. Well, I will include links to that in the show notes, um, so that if anybody wants to get in touch or uh, or really enjoys your interview, that they can uh, do that. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.